0: Thanks for choosing to listen to another City Point West podcast. I trust that this message empowers and encourages you to continue your journey of faith. Enjoy. Uh, this, this conversation. We are talking last week on finishing well. We were talking about the, the areas in our life that we have to make sure we finish well so that we can kick off into the new year and outwork our lives really well. You know, finishing well is a really important thing. And I've said this before, and I want to reiterate it. There is two painful things in my life. Number one, I'm a New South Wales supporter. Number two, I'm a Cronulla Shark supporter. Listen, these two things are painful. First and foremost, because I live in Queensland with all of you terrible Queenslanders. I love you all, but I hate you with all my life sometimes. Now, the thing I hate the most about it is Queensland can often go to the state of origin with the worst team but still win. And listen, they win well, they win often because they finish well. Listen, if you've watched rugby league, I know some of you in the room are saying, can we get on with the message because I have no care about rugby league. Listen, that's me often when I keep losing with my losing teams. I like to not care about rugby league, but I can't help it. The challenge is this, New South Wales can come in with the best side, can start well, but in that last five minutes, I tell you from the moment I was a child, I watched Queensland snatch victory again in those last five minutes because they finished well. Now, it added doubly because I go for the Cronulla Sharks. The last two seasons, they have finished the season second and they finished the season sixth. The problem is in the last two seasons, when it comes to the finals, they haven't won a single game and got knocked out of the finals straight away because they haven't finished well. Listen, finishing well is everything. If you want to set yourself up for your future, make sure that you get into the end of this year and you finish well. Not finish with big losses, finish well with your life. Make some great decisions into the future. Often we like to set great New Year's resolutions that last for 15 minutes because we haven't finished well to lead into a great start. How can we finish well? Last week I started off with a couple of thoughts on how we can make sure we finish well. But today I want to get a little bit challenging for you. Can I just do that today? Anyone give me permission to challenge our thinking a little bit, challenge our hearts a little bit? And you know what? I feel like my message today might actually hurt a little bit. And if it does, let me start first and foremost by saying I am a pastor who loves every one of you. But sometimes the truth and reality of our lives hurts. And it's the Holy Spirit stirring some things up on the inside of us so we can dig them out, cast them out and move on into our future. Today I want to talk through... Uh, two simple thoughts. My first one is this. If we get into finishing well this year, one of the things we need to do today is to get rid of things like unforgiveness. Matthew chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18. There's a story Jesus is talking and he's telling the story about a servant. And in his story it says this. The servant owed his master 10,000 talents. So he owes this master a huge amount. And the master gets to the point where he wanting to collect some debts. And he comes around and he finds a servant. And he says to this servant, you owe me a huge amount of money. This amount of money is so great. The only way I can recoup this amount of money is to sell you, is to sell your wife, is to sell your children. And recoup some of this huge amount of money in which you owe me. Jesus is telling the story. and In the story, the servant is overwhelmed by the reality of the money that he owes his master and says, Master, I can never repay you that money. Please don't sell me. Please don't sell my wife. Please don't sell my children. And he says, the Bible says he throws himself at the feet of his master, crying and begging that he would not be sold. The Bible says that the master takes pity and mercy on this, this man and says, I will forgive you all of your debts. Listen, doesn't say, hey, I'll give you more time to pay me back. Doesn't say, hey, next year you can pay me back. Doesn't say, let's set up a, a direct debit and you can start to do this. It doesn't say that. The Bible says he forgives him this huge amount of debt. But something crazy happens because that servant walks out of this great place of forgiveness. And then finds one of his mates down the road that owes him 100 denarii. Now, we don't really understand what that means. Let me break it down into modern day understanding of finance. The modern day understanding is this. 6,000 denarii is one talent. So he owes 10,000 talents. If you do the maths, he owes, I think I'm right on this, 60 million talent, 60 million denarii to that guy he gets forgiven 60 million denarii he walks out and he asks his mate for 100 denarii the mate says I don't have it I don't have it and he says well if you don't give me that money I'm gonna throw you in prison now let me just give you a reality somebody in prison can't work to get the money to pay you back so it's a dumb decision straight away Unforgiveness causes us to make dumb decisions. It does. Listen, that's not the point of the story, but it's a good little side note to make. When we're in a place of unforgiveness, our decision-making process usually plays out wrong. When we're in unforgiveness towards other people, even people we care about, we can say the dumbest things. We can treat them the dumbest ways when we carry unforgiveness. Now, the point of the story is this reality that now, The boss finds out what he has done to this servant and he says, hey, hey, you wicked servant, I forgave you millions and millions and you can't forgive a hundred? The Bible says he takes him and he throws him in prison and sells off everything that he had to start to recoup the debt. This this is the the truth and the reality because we all look at that story and go, listen, if my bank just forgave me $60 million, if they just said, listen, at the end of the year, Merry Christmas, your 60 million is settled. We wouldn't be walking out after service and saying, hey, Yannick, you owe me that 100. Can I have it back? We wouldn't be doing that right. Does anyone think that that would be a stupid thing to do? Yeah. Yet Jesus' point here was the point to all of us that have ever carried and harbored unforgiveness. The reality of the greatness of what God has forgiven us versus the moment of small unforgiveness we carry towards somebody else. This was the point of Jesus' story. He was trying to show us that every single one of us in this story have been that servant. Because every single one of us in moments in our life have carried unforgiveness and harbored it in our journey and harbored it in our own lives. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up and causes you trouble, or many of you will become undefiled. He talks about that bitter root of unforgiveness that all of us at some time in our life have had just take root in our hearts. You know, a number of years ago when I was roof tiling, I went to a house and my boss asked me to clean the gutters. And, and as I got there, I noticed at the back of the house, there was quite a large plant growing out of one of the gutters so I got in I started cleaning and when I started cleaning I noticed that there was actually a, a large fig tree growing at the back of the property and that fig tree had dropped uh its seeds into the house into the gutter and there was a fig tree growing in the gutter of this house now if you're not sure what a fig tree is go into the botanical gardens look at those massive trees that are growing in the botanical gardens that's a fig tree. Listen, in the gutter of this house is one of those trees growing. Who knows if you leave that root there, there's going to be a big problem in that house in the years to come. The gutter not going to hold it. The whole house is not going to hold it because that tree is going to grow to destroy that house if it wasn't for me getting in. And let me tell you, when I started pulling that thing out, those roots went a long way through that gutter. It's the root of bitterness that can grow in our hearts When unforgiveness begins to take hold. I read this great quote. Unforgiveness is like taking poison, but expecting somebody else to die. When the root of bitterness gets inside of us through unforgiveness, it's such an incredible thing. It's got the capacity to destroy all of us, yet we want it to destroy somebody else. That root of bitterness is so destructive to our heart, so destructive to our lives, so destructive to who we are. And as I get to the end of the year, as we get here, I want to speak to you about that root of bitterness that can grow through unforgiveness and the ability to stop at the end of this year and say, God, I want to take all of this unforgiveness. I want to lay it at the foot of the cross. I want to leave it in the tomb where it belongs. I want to leave it there and walk afresh into a year, not carrying with me this unforgiveness. Because listen, that root of unforgiveness that stays in our life as it grows into bitterness becomes an area of sin to us and destroys us Leviticus 9 verse 17 18 do not bear a grudge against another against others but settle your differences with them so that you will not commit a sin because of them do not take revenge on others or continue to hate them but love your neighbors as you love yourself i am the lord listen to walk in sin is to miss the mark of god's best for our lives and listen unforgiveness is not god's best It's death to you. It's death to your walk. It's death to your heart. It's death to your thinking. It's death to your believing. But listen, we have a culture of unforgiveness. We, we, if you look around, have a culture that sets grudges. Everything that we read right here, we see within our culture. Says that person did something bad to me. I got to do something bad back. I was talking with young people just recently and I'm talking about some young people in the community that have made some mistakes and been involved in fights. And you know, some of them, young, young people that I've known well, wonderful young people, that end up in prison because of grudges, because of fighting somebody else's fight. Instead of letting go of hurt and resentfulness and bitterness, and now this person hurts that person, which then has to come back to that person, which has to come back to that person. And we have a community right around us that's carrying gang-related thinking that is so insidious to our community, so insidious to the young men and young women of our community, carrying this concept with them is only destruction. There is no other outcome other than hurt, brokenness, and destruction. Listen, forgiveness is healing. Unforgiveness is destructive. It takes beautiful young men, some of them that walk through this youth ministry and puts them in prison with a... Hurt and a brokenness that can be outworked in their lives in such a deep way. We need to be countercultural. We need to be countercultural to break off this culture that can so deeply destroy people's lives. Again, I read another great quote Unforgiveness is choosing to stay trapped in a jail cell of bitterness, serving time for somebody else's crime. It's bitterness and resentfulness that comes through unforgiveness. If you don't let stuff go, it eats you up. Listen, I I know some people have done some stuff wrong by you. I know that. I get it. I know some people have said some wrong things. I know they've done some wrong things. I know they've acted wrong ways. I know they've taken things away from you. And listen, sometimes we need to physically deal with those things to be able to move forward in our lives. But our heart needs to stay clean of those things. Our minds need to stay clean of those things. Sometimes we need to make some wise financial decisions if people have ripped us off. But our heart and mind needs to stay clean. Otherwise, we carry that brokenness and somebody else's hurt that continues to bind us up, keeps us free, uh, keeps us bound, doesn't allow us to walk free. Matthew chapter 5, verse 23 and 24. So if you're about to offer your gift to God at the altar, and there you remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there in the altar, in front of the altar. Go at once, make peace with your brother. Then come back and offer your gift to God. When Jesus is teaching here, He's showing the reality of this. Listen, sometimes we understand when there's unforgiveness in our life, there's moments of challenge in our life. Those things can stop us even in our walk with God, can hold us back even from our own journey with Christ. I know oftentimes I've walked into worship and I begin to lift my hands and lift my heart and begin to praise Jesus. And the moment I do that, the moment I lift my hands and heart, something just clicks on the inside of me and says, hey, there's something just going on right now. Deal with it. Text my wife and say, how hey, I'm sorry for being a loser. Those areas in our life, the Holy Spirit in those moments just causes us to deal with. Because Jesus wants us to deal with unforgiveness. Jesus wants us to empty it out of our lives. Jesus wants us to take it and bury it. Again, bury it in that tomb. Leave it there. Don't dig it back out again. C.S. Lewis said this, to be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable because God has forgiven the inexcusable in you. Because God has forgiven the inexcusable with you. To go back to Jesus' parable there. Jesus' parable was this. The reality is that master forgave inexcusable in the servant yet the servant carried his own brokenness into his future sometimes we need to stop I know some situations suck I know some people have done wrong by you I know some things have really hurt but here at the end of the year can you take them can you bring them before Christ today can you leave them there at the foot of the cross step out into a new year saying, God, I finished well. I laid it there. I laid those words down. I laid those things done. I laid those things that happened to me. I I, I lay that that big debt towards my life. I laid it at the foot of the cross and I walked into my future. And I didn't take it with me. I didn't take it into my new year. Let me ask this question. How do we know if we're holding unforgiveness? How do we know? Because it's worth asking that question. I want to give you four quick things, quick check moments. If you're writing notes, if you're writing in your phone, write these down. Because they're moments maybe to check over as we head into a new week. First thing you have to always do is through the Holy Spirit say, Holy Spirit, reveal to me if I'm holding unforgiveness. Listen, the work of the Holy Spirit, this friend that walks with us, Jesus says this helpmate that walks with us, that we're in communion with, fellowship with every single day. Am I carrying unforgiveness? Because listen, sometimes in our unforgiveness, we're blinded to it. We're blinded by our hurt. We're so blinded, we again, do stupid things like throw people in prison that can't work and get that back to us. Maybe you're blinded to it. Holy Spirit, am I blinded to this unforgiveness? Do I need to deal with some stuff in my life? Practically, you can do things like this. Maybe look at, What are your conversations about? You know, I've had people say to me, listen, I've forgiven that person, but that person did this to me, and they did that to me, and they did that to me. The next time I see that person, yeah, I've forgiven them, I let it go. But that person, did I tell you last time they did this to me? Yes, you did tell me last time and the time before, 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 and the time before. I'm glad you've forgiven them and you keep telling me about this story that maybe is still dwelling in your life. If you want to check if I'm carrying unforgiveness, what are you talking about all the time? Thirdly, ask the question, what's my meditation on? I've forgiven that person, but I haven't stopped thinking about what they did in my life two years ago. Listen, if you're still thinking and meditating on the thing that maybe you want to just let go of in your life, you need to stop and say, Holy Spirit, can you do a work in this mind of mine? Can you begin to do a deep work inside of me? Because I'm I'm rehearsing their hurt. I'm carrying it with me. I keep building it around my life in my thinking world. And Holy Spirit, I need your help. Sometimes we just need His help to get rid of that unforgiveness. Fourthly, if I'm carrying unforgiveness, maybe we can look at what is the thing that causes... The quickest reaction. You know the old s- statement, I was triggered by that. Listen, that triggered thing has a deep inward psychological outworking, and I get that, and I'm not trying to belittle that. I'm trying to look at what are the things that trigger us in our lives here that maybe we're just carrying unforgiveness with that. If I mention names, if I talk about certain people, it's like my eyes starting to twitch, and my my fist is being clenched or maybe I'm like doing strangling signs around their throat you know maybe if you're triggered there there's still unforgiveness in that area of your life maybe it's time to stop and say Holy Spirit don't let me carry this into another year I want to leave my mess behind I want to leave it right here where it belongs I'm done with it Holy Spirit over these next couple of weeks as I lead into this new year I want to leave it now at the foot of the cross I don't want to carry it any longer those four things, some of them are simple, some of them are real true, but maybe there's areas of unforgiveness in your life. Allow God to speak that through with you and deal with it. The second thing, it really is a lead on from that. As we head into a new year, as we finish this year well, maybe we need to get to a place of repentance in our life. Listen, this second concept is so un-21st century. It's unpopular. No doubt it's very unpopular and it's so misunderstood. Listen, I feel as a preacher, it's something I need to keep talking about because we have a biblically illiterate generation that needs to come back to the reality of what these concepts are really about and how important they are in our life on a daily basis of walking with God, seeing face-to-face and walk with the Holy Spirit, and the reflection of that bringing change and transformation to our lives every single day, whether you're walking with Jesus for the first day today or you've been walking with Jesus for 50 years, the reality of transformation is continually the outworking as we're shaped into the image of Christ. Listen, repentance is unpopular because our generation says this, this is just me. This is who I am, accept me for who I am, I don't need to change. Can I just be really clear? That may be a generational thinking, but is in no way biblical. I, I, I tell you what, if you don't believe me, you can read my Bible, and you can try and find it. The Bible is continually about being shaped into the image of Christ. I've been walking with Jesus for a long time. And I'm telling you, yesterday He shaped me again. This morning He shaped me again. Tomorrow He'll be shaping me some more. Because we are changing every day as we're being shaped in the image of Christ. That's the beauty of the gospel. Secondly, this is misunderstood. Because, listen, some of us just, we don't understand the power of repentance. We, we think it's this. Sorry. So that I can go to heaven. If you're in the room and your idea of repentance is on my deathbed, I'm going to think through quickly every wrong thing I've done and say, Jesus, I'm sorry for all of that, and I'll make it to heaven, you have a very tiny understanding of what the concept of repentance is. And I would actually go the opposite and say, you have a deep misunderstanding. A deep, deep misunderstanding. And I'm sorry. I don't mean to be offensive by that statement in any way. As a preacher, I believe part of my job is to bring us back to the reality of what this really is for our lives. What the concept of repentance, because listen, repentance, there is a moment of sorry in there. But that moment of sorry is a moment of change and transformation as our lives are turned 180 degrees from the brokenness of our past. 180 degrees from the direction we're walking in, in a place of repentance we walk back another way. Listen, if your whole understanding and idea is sorry, sorry, sorry. Sorry, sorry, sorry Andrew Jones, to always throw you under the bus. I always got great information on this guy. Listen, when we go spearfishing, we often get up really early in the morning. And he takes travel calm to stop the seasickness, which makes you really tired. So driving home in the evening in the car is usually Andrew falling asleep. And and I'm driving and and the seasick tablets just... Killing him. So he's like nodding, trying to stay awake while we're driving home. And sometimes he falls asleep and he snores like that. And whenever he does that, he goes, sorry, 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 sorry. I don't even know he's sorry. Listen, some people, that sorry, sorry, sorry is our thought of repentance between us and God. Listen, listen, there is a depth to repentance and a lifestyle of this in our lives that God wants as he brings change And transformation, I'm not talking about guilt. I'm not talking about shame. I'm talking about the reality that we come face to face every single day with the great I I am. And as we come face to face with him, he reshapes us as husbands. He reshapes us as wives. He reshapes us as kids. He reshapes us as parents. He reshapes us in our workplace. He reshapes us as men. He reshapes us as women. And he shapes us and forms us and builds us into the image of Christ. This is what I'm talking about, a lifestyle of change in who we are. And listen, repentance is a supernatural thing. Thomas Carlyle makes this great statement. Of all the acts of man, repentance is the most divine. The greatest of all faults is to be conscious of none. Our greatest fault is we feel like we have no faults. So a moment of repentance is God coming divinely into the working of a heart and a working of the mind and bringing us back to who He wants us to be. Listen, we can be so often unaware of our challenges and faults. I feel like that's why most of us men get married so that our wives can help us with that. But listen, we also have another great helpmate in the Holy Spirit that leads us and guides us. Romans chapter 2, verse 4. Or do you despise the riches of His goodness, forbearance and long suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads us to repentance. You you know, I made the statement about being misunderstood. This generation misunderstands God. When a Christian can stand up and say, hey, hey, this stuff here stops us from walking into the kingdom of God. And a generation gets offended at that. They miss the goodness and the love of God that stops us and says, Tim, you're wrong, change. It's the goodness of God that has stopped me in my tracks. It was the goodness of God at 19 that arrested me on my selfish, broken journey and said, Tim, stop, turn, go this direction because your life is only headed for mess. It is the goodness of God that has stopped me thousands and thousands and thousands of times in that journey and said, Tim, stop, change. Tim, stop, change. Tim, stop, change. It's the goodness of God. It's the goodness of God that leads me to a place of repentance in my heart that I stop and realize my selfishness is leading me here. Stop and realize my brokenness is leading me here. Stop and realize my bad thinking is leading me here and turn me back and causes me to change. Listen, if you're in this room and say, I hate change, I never want to change, you're missing the power of the outworking of the Holy Spirit in us that is changing us every day, molding us every day, building us every day into the image of Christ. Not just saying sorry, transformation in our hearts and in our lives. Amen. Bruce Wilkinson said this, repentance means you change your mind so deeply that it changes you. Your mind is so deeply changed in an in working of the Holy Spirit that our lives and our outworking is changed. It's a powerful thing. 1 John one nine is a beautiful piece of scripture. It says if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Listen, this is the beautiful work of of Christ in our lives, the great work of the gospel. It's a beautiful thing. And it doesn't come with a, well, that just works for you but not for you. It doesn't come like that. It doesn't come with, oh, well, you're you're, you're this person and it works for you or not. It, It comes saying if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins. And cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This is the the beauty of of what the gospel is all about. But it's the first part of it. Forgiveness is the first part. Forgiveness is the first part of what God does there in that moment. But then He's doing more than just forgiving you. Understand when we come to repentance, it's not just like, "Whew, I'm forgiven. This is great. This is awesome." No, it's now something deeper is happening in my life to change who I am. James 4, 7 and 8. Therefore, if we submit to God, resist the devil, he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. What is he saying? Change. Change the outworking of what's going on in your life. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts. Listen, as we finish this year, in this place of saying, God, is suffering to change in my life? He says this, I am faithful and just to forgive. You come before me. You you lay before me. You confess your sins. I will wash it away. But I don't want to just wash it away. I want to actually start to wash your hands. When I was a kid, I loved playing in the mud. I was one of those mud kids. I would always, if there was rain, I was outside playing in the mud. My mom hated that because she hated me coming home and having to wash my clothes again and again and again because I played in the mud. Listen, as as I grew up, I I don't play in the mud anymore. I had to wash my hands and change. Listen, you wouldn't want me turning up to church preaching this morning covered in mud from head to toe. You have to change in that. He says, cleanse your... Cleanse your hands. Let something change. Wash your hands. Allow that to be washed. But it's bigger than just washing your hands and an outward action. It's not the picture of repentance. It's the inward heart's transformation because God wants to wash over our minds. Listen, if we come and say, God, I am sorry, we try and change an outward, but we don't allow the Holy Spirit to heal the inward desires, then the desires lead us back to the same point of mess, the same point of brokenness. Listen, When we come to this picture of repentance, we come to a picture of God, I'm sorry. God, yes, you've washed away my sins, but now come and wash my hands. Let me cause change because an inward action change is changing. Listen, this is the beauty of what God does through the picture of repentance. Let our hearts and our minds be washed and renewed and purified in our believing and our thinking through the great work of the Holy Spirit that washes over our minds. I'm saddened oftentimes when I see people come with this picture of repentance. God, I'm sorry. And now I'm gonna continue in my sin. God, I'm sorry. But now I'm gonna continue in my bondage. I come to church on Sunday morning and I say, I'm so sorry. But now I'm gonna walk out and keep sleeping with my girlfriend. God, I'm so sorry. But now i walk out and keep in my pornography. God, I'm so sorry. But walk out staying bound to my addictions. You've got to understand that repentance is about freedom from those errors of your life. When Paul writes to the Galatians church, he's speaking to them about the bondage that was to the law. But the principle remains so true in every area of our lives. He said, it is for freedom that Christ has set you free. Christ didn't set us free so that we're free to go on sinning. Christ set us free that we can be free from sin. Christ set us free so we can be free from our bondage. Christ set us free so we can be free from the law. He set us free, we can be free from addiction. He set us free that we can be free from what has held on to us for a whole year. Christ set us free so that we can walk free. When Paul writes that to the Galatians church, he's looking at a people that have found freedom and returned to bondage. If you're here in this room, and this year has been a challenge walking out of, out of the, the bondages of your life. I encourage you today, open your heart to repentance and say, God, deal with this area of my life. Keep working in me. And if it's something that holds you bound, open new areas of friendship and communication to others that can drag you out of bondage that's got a hold of your life. Because it's for freedom that you were set free. Freedom that you were set free. William Taylor. It wasn't Will up the back, another William Taylor. Said this, Will may have said this. True repentance hates the sin and not merely the penalty. It hates the sin most of all because it has discovered and felt God's love. It hates the sin. True repentance is a place of hating that sin and walking free. And walking free. Can you imagine this? Being locked in a prison for 20 years. Every day, you just think, I can't wait to get out. Can't wait to get out of this prison. Little cell. Terrible little cell. Get out and see some freedom. And 20 years is up. They unlock the door. And they say, it's time to go free. But you jump back on the bed and say, you know what? I'm comfortable here. Yeah, the bed's a a little bit uncomfortable, but I got used to it. It's a little bit painful here and... I mean, I do exercise. I can't even walk around. But I got used to that. So I'm just going to stay, pull the door shut on your life. Listen, it is for freedom that you were set free. The beauty of the gospel is, yes, if you confess your sins, He is faithful and just to forgive your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. But it's freedom there in your life. It's the freedom from the bondages that are around your life that God has come to bring you and bring me and bring us to that place of repentance daily to keep walking free. I don't want to stay in that sin. I don't want to stay in that place. I want to walk free. Repentance is a coming alive to God, dying to that old nature. Again, in Galatians chapter 5, Paul writes, and those who are in Christ have crucified the flesh and its passions and its desires and come alive to Christ, risen again with Jesus, leave those passions, those old desires on the cross and come alive to Christ. Here's our challenge. Sometimes we come to a place of repentance, but then we try and resurrect our old nature. Listen, we're trying to resurrect the wrong thing. Don't give mouth-to-mouth the old nature. Don't give your old nature the shot on the chest with the power. How do you give mouth-to-mouth the old nature? What are you listening to? Listen, you want to walk free? Stop listening to what kept you bound in the first place. What are you thinking on? You want to walk free? Stop thinking on the things that kept you bound in the first place. Who are you hanging out with? Don't be hanging out with those that dragged you into that place of bondage in the first place. What are you flirting with? Oh, it's all good. I can just hang out with my mates at the pub. 15 minutes later, $1,000 are going in the pokies and a whole bunch of beers have been had. If that's the place of your life, walk free. Do not resuscitate the death of your past. J.C. Ryle said this, True repentance is no light matter. It is a thorough change of heart about sin. A change showing itself in godly sorrow and humiliation. In heartfelt confession before the throne of grace. In a complete breaking off of sinful habits. And an abiding hatred of all sin. What a powerful picture for our lives. Listen, as we finish this year and head into a new year. Can we finish with a place that we stop and honestly before God, in our hearts, saying, God, I'm laying down every area of unforgiveness that I've carried, God, I repent of it. And I repent of other areas of my life that I dragged with me through 2023. I leave them at the foot of the cross. Jesus, I don't just say sorry, but I leave them there and say, wash my hands, wash my heart, that I don't walk into a new year carrying my same addiction, carrying my same sin, Carry my same habitual outworking of relationships, carry my same habitual outworking of situations in my life, anger, bitterness, resentfulness. I leave them here. If we can walk into a new year with the breath of God in our lives, with the breath of freedom in our marriages, in our families, in our homes, in our relational world. See, so God, we walk free. Let's bow our heads, let's close our eyes, as we wrap up here this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Holy Spirit of God, I thank you that you are our great workmate to walk beside us and lead us and guide us. Your best friend, you help us through. You lead us when we need leading and guiding. Come, Holy Spirit, today. Come, Holy Spirit, over this next week. Come, Holy Spirit, and speak into the week that we're about to have as we lead into a new year that we'll be able to just lay some mess and brokenness and leave it at that foot of the cross. God, I thank you for the great work of the cross. Jesus, your work, your work that enabled us to just let go of areas of unforgiveness. Your, your work of the cross enables us to come into a place of repentance. Thank you, Jesus. Right now, over people here this morning, maybe just have carried some unforgiveness. Maybe there's been some serious things done to them—words said, actions done, trials. My God, I pray that through your grace, you would enable us to leave them here today. It's your grace that enables. Walk free today, not staying, not staying imprisoned by it, not staying bound by it, but to be able to walk free. God, people today I pray will be able to walk free of those words spoken. Words spoken by people they loved and cared for. God, I pray that today those words would not hold bear. There'll be freedom today from those words. God, I pray right now, those who've been hurt by fear tried to lay them tried to lay them those words have come back and come back I pray right now through the Holy Spirit you minister to those hearts here in this moment here in this moment here in this moment here now here now Holy Spirit here now minister to those words minister to those words minister to those words holy spirit now now here minister healing deliverance from those words deliverance from those words deliverance from those words father's words that are spoken over children today deliver them today only you can to bring freedom from those words and those acts In my life, I just need to be free from today. Quickly. Throw it out like that right now. Oh my God, I thank you. You bring deliverance. You bring transformation. My God, over mind, over thinking, over believing, as you wash away yesterday, as you're faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. My God, I thank you for the work of the cross. But I thank you right now for the great work of the Holy Spirit moving over those lives. I know this message will keep speaking to you as you continue your day. So for more information about City Point West, jump on citypointchurch.com or follow our social media accounts, Instagram, City Point West, or our Facebook, City Point Church West. Have a great day.